the Lord gave me to share with you tonight, which ties into everything else that's been going on just now. So that's kind of awesome, isn't it? I love it when God brings a plan together. Amen. And uh, everybody's in the good flow together. That's always a tremendous thing. Acts 1038 in your Bible, I encourage you to study along with me. Use your phone. I don't care. Use a PDA. Use a phone. Uh, use, your, use your actual paper Bible. Um, and keep notes because this is going to help you tonight. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost of power who went about doing good and healing all, healing all, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The all that were healed were oppressed by the devil. The devil is the oppressor. The word oppressed there in the Greek language means to try to take dominion over. What the enemy and adversary is trying to do is to keep dominion over mankind. And so he's doing everything he can using fear, using illness, using poverty. All of that keeps man subjugated underneath fear, underneath the power of the enemy. When we break the Jesus came, he became poor that we could become rich. He became sick so that we could become well. He became sin so that we could become righteous. So what he has done, what Jesus has done, and he exemplified this in his time that he was walking in Jerusalem and throughout Judea, is, is that he exemplified that the devil is bad, the devil is the oppressor, the devil is the destroyer, and I am here as a representative of God Almighty, anointed by the Holy Spirit and power, and I'm doing good, and I'm healing all those who have been oppressed of the devil because God is with me. God is with me. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, we read about how that, why there is so much in the earth that is bad, why there are so many terrible things that exist in our world. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 tells us that all of creation has been subjugated to the sin of mankind. And even though Jesus came and died for mankind, the world has not been set free yet. Earth has not been set free and part of the reason for that is, is that mankind has, because he has surrendered the least that he had to the devil in the Garden of Eden or to the adversary, mankind has given the enemy adversary permission on the earth to do what he will. I want you to go to Luke chapter 4 with me real quick. And uh, I didn't show you this one last week, but you'll be familiar with it if you've followed our teaching through the years. Uh, Luke chapter 4, Jesus confronting the devil, uh, speaking and dealing with him in the wilderness. And in chapter 5, it says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give you and the glory of them. And notice the next line there, For that is delivered unto me. Remember, authority is granted God granted mankind authority on the earth. Mankind delivered his authority to the serpent to the, in the garden. And of course, here, whenever the serpent is talking to Jesus or the devil is talking to Jesus, he says, look, it's in my hands. And Jesus doesn't dispute it. And he says, right, back to the, the devil says to him, and I can give it to whoever I want to. So there is a lot more control going on in the earth by the adversary. Everything has gotten, everything has been corrupted. Wealth is corrupted. Sickness and disease are a corruption of health. I mean, all of this is corruption that is in the earth. Sin, I mean, the racism, all this bad stuff, that is all corruption. That is all that is. 
And, and we could spend all our lives trying to fix it, but we have to realize that it, this is what it is, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 6. And you and I can fight and fight and fight to try to change the hearts of men. But we have to realize, the first, and we want to work towards doing that, but we have to realize the first thing that has to change is the influence on men. And that's a spiritual force. And you have way, remember this, always remember this. You have way more authority in the spiritual realm than you realize. You have way more authority than you realize. The enemy does his best to blind you to the authority that you've got. Lester Summerall, years ago, was, uh, had actually had the opportunity to lead a witch doctor in Africa to the Lord. This man, when he came to Christ, he was, uh, Summerall wrote a book about this. Dr. Summerall did, and he was asking questions. He asked the witch doctor, and the witch doctor said, yeah, we could, we could put spells on people, kill them. I could leave my body, travel to people's homes. I could go in, create havoc, create curses, all these different things. And it all worked. It all worked. It was all real. And realize the devil does have power. He does have ability to be able to bring deception and confusion and all those different things. And he said, um, he's in corruption. And, uh, but he said, here was the problem. He says, whenever I would try to go into a believer's home, I could, uh, I could tell they were a Christian because there was light emanating from inside their house. And it was glowing through the windows. And I knew that I could not put a curse in that home because they were blessed by God. So you and I, we're sitting around fretting and worrying about stuff. And we're allowing the things of this world to make us think that we are powerless. We have no authority. We can't do anything. I could tell you testimony after testimony. I could tell you about police officers that were confronted by large gangs that were coming against them in New York City and ended up in the New York, uh, in the, um, what's the park there? Um, Central Park. Ended up in Central Park, backed into a grotto. And how that those guys, that there was just two police officers out of ammunition, no ability to fight back. They thought this was the end. And all of a sudden, all of the gangs that were coming against them at that moment laid down their weapons on the ground and surrendered to them. Later on, when they asked them, why did you surrender? You guys had us. We were beat. He said, no, we weren't. Did you not see all the other police officers that were standing there with you? (laughs) See, there's more for us than there is against us. There is more for us. And what the devil does is that he beats you down to make you think that you got to give in to that oppression. And you do not have to give in to that oppression. That's good preaching, Pastor. See, he's... He, had the, he has been given that authority to give in the earth. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus came and broke his power over man. Now things change. Remember, man is a representative of the earth because he comes from the earth, right? And so whenever man sinned, he brought his sin not only into his own earth, but he brought it into the earth environment where he was and which corrupted everything. No sickness and disease before sin. None. No poverty before sin. Everything was taken care of. There was no shame. There was no fear. All of that was taken care of. All of the things that you and I are dealing with now are post-man sinning against God. All of it is the corruption. Not what God intended, but what the enemy intended to do to mankind. Now, Jesus came to set men free. He said that he came to liberate the earth. 
But it starts here in you and I. It starts in you and I. And I want you to notice this in the book of Romans 8. Go with there with me if you would. Romans chapter 8 because I want you to see this tonight. Because this will help you as, you're, as we're working through these thoughts on, am I going too fast for you? I'm, I mean, I'm telling you to take notes. Some of this is review from last week, so I can't be going too fast. I mean, I would never talk too fast. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 <laughs> and verse 18, okay? Actually, verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature, and if you... If you have a more current translation, like the New King James, this is Old King James, um, this says, it's, it would say, the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Why is creation waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? And who are the sons of God? You and I are the sons of God. Why would creation be waiting for you and I to be the sons of God? Now you say, well, I am a son of God, but just because you are one doesn't mean you're being one. Just because you are one doesn't mean you're acting like one. I mean, you're a blood-bought child of God. Can you say amen? Amen. You're a blood-bought child of God. He gave you authority. He said, behold, Luke 10, 19, I give you authority. Tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the... all." Why would creation be excited waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God? Because it is the sons of God that will set things back in order. The sons of God, the children of God, I know it's saying sons, but it means the children of God, you and I, all of us as God's children, because we are representatives of the earth, we have been liberated now because of the blood of Jesus Christ from all sin, and he has paid our debt. We're not under the curse anymore. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law when he became a curse for us, according to Galatians 3.13, as it says, cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. And so you and I have been liberated from the curse that is on the earth, and so now what creation is waiting for is you and I to stay Stand up, be the children of God, and tell sickness, you don't belong here, you don't do this, poverty, you will not own us, you will not rule our lives, sin, you have no authority, I am not going to be afraid, I have authority over you. Amen. That's the power. But just because you've got it doesn't mean that you use it. You go back to the early part of the year when we started talking about authority. Look, you have incredible authority in your life. Jesus has granted you, through his authority, incredible authority. That, according to the scriptures, that you and I, it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And it's telling us that we have authority over these things. Wickedness in the heavens, spiritual, you know, darkness. We have all that authority over all of that but not unless we do anything with it. So why is creation excited that you and I would step up to the plate and be the man and woman of God that God has called us to be? Because we're going to set in order what God has established in this earth. Your trees in your yard are excited that you are a son of God or daughter of God. Your bank book is excited that you are a child of God. You say, well, I don't know why. Because you're going to declare the works of your God over your finances. You're going to declare the works of your God over your health. Amen. And you're going to declare the works of your God over your household. 
and over your children and over your marriage and over everything that you put your hands to. You know, it says in the book of um, Psalm chapter 1, and uh, it says that the man who puts his delight in the law of the Lord meditates in it day and night, that he's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, he can't incline his way towards all the nonsense of the world. So it says that, but if he will incline his way towards the ways of the Lord, and he will keep his heart and thinking in line with the Lord and with his word and meditate in it day and night, it basically says there that he has unlimited prosperity available to him. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything he does, according to that passage in Psalm 1, says everything that he does shall prosper. Everything. Why? Because you are walking as a child of, and all creation has been waiting. You know, you and I, we're waiting on God to change stuff and God is waiting on us to change stuff. God is waiting on us. And this is really, to me, is, is part of what I wanted to get it. What I really felt like that the, the Lord wanted me to get into tonight is just dealing with that aspect of it. Chuck brought it up, and Sharon was mentioning it as well. God gives us covenant, okay? Covenant is not one-sided. Covenant is not. You know, we're in this contract stuff for, for our house and dealing with selling a house and buying a house. You're making a contract with someone. It's not always easy to come to terms on a contract, right? I mean, if you've ever done any of that, buy a car, you know, or you go, you, you, you have to come to an agreement in that contract. In that contract, it should be mutually beneficial for both parties, not just beneficial for one party, right? Should be beneficial on going both ways. So you get into a contract. What we have to realize in our relationship with God is God's bringing himself into this agreement with us, but what are we bringing into the contract? What is God's expectation of us in the contract? What does God expect us to do in the contract? I mean, is it, is it all on him? You know, if you get into some of the sovereignty of God ideas that people teach, especially you get into the real hardcore Calvinist beliefs, you're going to see that we don't really have anything to bring to the table. God does it all according to them. Now, that is not true. I mean, it's hard to substantiate that biblically. But there are those that just believe that, you know, God is doing everything. So God is causing all these problems, but yet God is bringing all these blessings. And we used to sing songs in the church, you know, he gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord and all this. And we don't sing those songs here. But there are things that people, we get ideals in our lives and beliefs in our life that basically the covenant sounds like it's all on God and it's not on us. Jesus says, I come to give you a new covenant, the the covenant in my blood. So we have a new covenant with God. But the covenant, remember that in the covenant, sure, we brought our sin, he brought his forgiveness. That's great, right? But, But there's something more besides just God taking the sin out of your life that his expectation is for you to do with your life. He expects you to be the son or daughter of God in this earth and set things right. Take back what you lost in the garden. Take it back. Take back your health. Look, I'm on a journey to take back my health. I'm on a journey to take back my age. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm on a I'm on a journey to take back my wealth. I'm not like going to my relationships, my 
Look, it is my biblical right. Can I be very bold about this? It is my biblical right that my children serve God all the days of their life. It is my biblical right because I trained them up in the way they should go. The promise of God is when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It is my biblical right to claim my family in the kingdom of God because the Bible says that you and your whole household shall be saved. That was before they got saved. Well, pastor, you can't make anybody, you can't make anybody do what they don't want to do. And that, that absolutely is true. But I definitely, by declaring God's word over them, can have God on their case. Amen. How many of you like it when God gets on your family's case, your kids, right? I don't know why I didn't want to do that. I just couldn't do it. I just, I didn't feel good. Praise the Lord. Glad God got on you about it. So when we look at the scriptures, when we start looking at this about authority and you and I operating in this earth as sons and daughters of God, there's something that is really powerful about the covenant that God wants us to, to perceive and understand here tonight. And uh, that we that we need to grow into, and this is really this gets to be a a, a real tough uh, thing for God's people to comprehend. A covenant is reciprocal. A covenant is reciprocal. There is give, there is take. There is give and take on both parts. God is giving and God is taking from you and I. Now God doesn't need to take anything. But because God is giving, there is a response that comes back from us. Okay? Sharon talked about this a little earlier about celebration. The greatest thing that you and I can learn to do is to give back praise to God for who he is, what he's done, and and what he has given to us, is to give praise to him. When you and I praise the Lord, we are practicing the reciprocal power of praise. We have received what God has done. We are declaring what God has done in praising him. We are receiving. Now, here's what God's word promises, that when you and I, when we begin to praise him, that we begin to receive strength from him, that there is strength. See, if you're weary tonight, if you're tired, if your faith is worn out, um, look, and the enemy is going to use three things to wear your faith out. Can I tell you what they are? Jesus talked about them, and I deal with them, you deal with them the same way. Deceitfulness of riches, getting too caught up, you know, trying to spend all your energy to just earn money. That'll wear you out for stuff, okay? So you can have bigger stuff, more stuff, bigger barns, more barns, full garages, more garages. Can you say amen? Does everybody understand that? Basements that are loaded from one end to the other and you're never even going to use 20% of what's down there, okay? deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, and the cares of the world. The cares of the world. You get caught up in the cares of the world, all of your mind and attention will be what's wrong in the world. Everything will go that direction. Are there things wrong in the world? Yes. Have there been things wrong in the world before? Yes. Uh, are they the worst they've ever been? No. They're, they've been way worse. You and I, we, we think what we live in is the worst. But, you know, our forefathers lived in some pretty bad situations. I mean, you know, you take, I, I, I love history. I know Charlie's a big history buff. Um, one of the series I love to watch here recently was Turn on AMC. Great series about how George Washington, I mean, could you imagine being George Washington? I mean, this guy, 
his own, one of his top guys is conspiring against him. Uh, I think it was General Lee. And he was, turn, he was, he was conspiring with the British. The, they couldn't pay the soldiers. Nobody could get paid. So guys are talking about leaving. A bunch of them tried to leave. They had to kill. They had to shoot all those guys because that's, what do they call that when you... Their desertion, right? So, or what'd you call it? Treason. Yep. And so they shot all, and they didn't want to do it, but they had to do it because what do you do? And the guys wanted to leave because they weren't getting paid and they were rebelling. And so everything's going crazy. The British are saying they're winning. They're, they've got money galore coming. France can't make up their mind. George Washington's trying to lead everybody. I mean, it's absolute, it's, it is, it would, it was absolute chaos for him. I don't know how he did it. I mean, except that you go find George Washington's prayer journals, which exist online, and you will find a man that was on his knees saying, God, help me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this. We need your guidance. We need your help. Step in. See, he was operating as a son of God in the midst of adversity. You and I, what, what we have to watch is, is that this deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things, you know, we're just running around, or the cares of the world, just the problems that are going on around us. None, I don't think any of us, maybe a few of us here are old enough to remember when the whole Bay of Pigs deal happened in the United States. But I mean, that was a bad deal. I mean, there were people who were prepared to, to, to die. They thought this was it, nuclear war. I grew up in school. The kids don't do this anymore, but we used to do nuclear fallout practice. Did you guys, any of you do that? What good does it do to cover your head, okay? I mean, I guess that's just so you can't see the bad stuff coming is all I can think of. But we'd have to go down into the basement of the building, put our hands over our head, get down on the floor, and we practiced that. Of course, we practiced fire drills too, but, you know, it was just that kind of a thing. During that whole the Cuban Missile Crisis, when all of that happened, people thought, this is it. We're, this is it. And uh, so, you know, I realize things can look extremely bad. They are bad. Sons of God have a different perspective on what's going on in the world and daughters of God than the rest of the world does. So don't get sucked into the care of the world. You have authority. And exactly what the enemy wants to do to you is to, to get you to stop praying and start worrying. Because when you worry, you are, look, that's the devil's babysitter. Worry is the enemy because you're not going nowhere. You're not going to do nothing. You're just going to sit there and, oh, I don't know, it's bad. And then you keep watching more and more stuff on TV and it's going to make it even worse for you. Thank you, Pastor. That was awesome. See, what God expects from you and I, if we're going to battle back against this wickedness, this stuff in the world, this stuff that's going on, is we have to have a biblical perspective on what's going on around us. We're going to deal with sickness and disease. We have to have that biblical perspective as well. Look, all of us have thoughts of that we might get cancer. Everybody does. You know, especially if there's a history in your family or diabetes or high blood pressure. Or, you know, I mean, my gosh, people are dying all over the place, falling over dead from heart attacks. Young men, young women, just, they're gone, just like that. The enemy will use that in your life to get you so worried about that you could, your health, that you could just be gone instantly. 
that you won't take the authority that you have to begin to declare over yourself, that is not the way my life is going to go. I'm going to eat right, I'm going to take care of myself, and God is on my side. I'm going to live a long life. Amen. I'm going to live a long life. Praise the Lord. Say it out loud. I'm going to live a long life. And I'm not going to live it in a home. I mean a home, you know what I mean. Nursing home. I'm not going to do that. I'm declaring it now. Praise the Lord. That I'm going to be strong. Glory. So there is a power that is available to God's people. This is such an incredible thing that will blow out the care of the world. It blows it out. I mean, it just flat out blows it out. Care of the world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, which Jesus told us will choke the word in your life and cause you to be unfruitful. So there is a power, and it's called the reciprocal power of praise, that that is where your strength comes from. That's where your strength comes from. So I'm not talking about singing praise songs. I'm talking about praise that comes from your heart. Because you and I both know that there's lots of songs that you sing that are praise songs, that they are not in, you're not engaged in them at all. You're just reading the words off the screen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good right now. See, when we're really praising the Lord, when praise is coming from our heart, then it's coming out of faith. And faith with praise is like a sharp two-edged sword coming out of your mouth, man. I'm telling you, you want to talk about putting the enemy at bay, you begin to praise God out of your faith. Because I'm going to tell you right now, in all honesty, you are praising God out of your faith right now. You say, well, I haven't been praising him much. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't say that to be critical. I want you to understand that we got to turn that in our lives. See, covenant isn't that God's saying, okay, well, I'll just take care of all of it. Covenant is God saying, yeah, I'm going to do my part, but I need you to do your part because we're in an agreement together. Your part is to have faith and to praise and to do what I said to do. My part is to make sure that if you do what I said to do, you'll have what I said you'll have. The reciprocal power of praise. I want you to go to Romans 4 with me because this really applies into healing. Romans chapter 4. It is incredibly difficult for you to praise God for something you don't believe. Amen? I mean, it just is incredibly difficult. You'll do it, but you'll just be going through the motions. And, and look, I've been in church, I'm, you know, I, I'm picking at you guys, but look, I'm, I'm picking at myself. I've gone through the motions before where, you know, I'm singing it, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm going through hell right now. I don't, this is hard. I don't like this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to, I really would rather not be, you know, church is such an incredible thing because, uh, you know, usually if you're like me, when you're going through difficulty, you don't want to be around people. And you don't want to be around people of faith, especially. (laughs) Why? Because they're going to tell you what you need to hear. You don't want to be around people of faith. I don't want to hear that. I I just want, you know, I want to put on hee-haw and listen to blue despair and agony on me. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. I mean, I've had times at home, Sharon can tell you this, where I was going through something. 
I don't know what, can't even remember what it is. And Sharon said, well, you know what the Bible says. And I said, don't tell me that right now. He said, well, what kind of pastor are you if you're like that? I'm like you. I'm a human. I'm striving to be a son of God, child of God, to live the way that God established. Romans 4 is a really powerful passage. Romans, yeah, Romans chapter 4 is a very powerful passage because in this he begins to talk about Abraham and faith and how that, you know, what Abraham was doing.